All right, you ready? You ready to go? This is the way it works. This is the way it works. To come alongside is key. All right, that's, that's how it works. That's how the body of Christ works. To come alongside. That is the essence of our unity in Christ. To come alongside. I'm repeating myself here. That's the essence of our unity in Christ. And so this morning we come once again to the theme of unity. It's week three on the trait of unity. If you're new in our midst, then um, you'll find out we are doing a series at our church of messages, a focus on the seven traits of a living, healthy church. Trait five is unity. And we're taking three whole weeks on the trait of unity. When we talk about unity at River West Church, we're not talking about an abstract idea that is floating out there somewhere, just a concept. When we talk about unity at River West Church, we're talking about the quality of our actual relationships, one with another, our relationships in Christ. That's what we're talking about when we talk about unity. We're talking about how we see each other, how we treat one another, and how we work together. Okay, that's unity. That's real. That's practical stuff. How do we see each other? People in this room, the people in our community groups, how do we see each other? How do we actually treat each other? Okay, that's, that's unity. That's not an abstract ideal. That's us. How do we actually work together for the cause of Christ. Here's the key. The key is to come alongside. And so this morning, here's what I want to do. I want to start by giving you a picture, an incredible picture, a beautiful, powerful picture of a unified church. From the book of Acts, early church, I just want to get a snapshot. I just want to see, get the visual on a unified church. What does it actually look like? And then I want to introduce you to a man who is the model for everything we're shooting for as a church here at River West. So if you have a Bible, go to the book of Acts in chapter 4, and first the picture. Then I want to introduce you to someone. First the picture. What does it look like? I want to read to you a paragraph. It's Acts chapter We'll begin in verse 31, and uh, it's picking up in the midst of a story, the early church, where Christ the risen Lord has poured out his Holy Spirit on his followers. Preaching has taken place in Jerusalem. Thousands of people have come to Christ. Miracles have happened. A lame man was healed in the temple grounds, caused quite a stir, quite a controversy. Because of all this, the apostles have come under the scrutiny of leadership and they're threatening the apostles. You got to stop doing this. You got to stop preaching to people. And they're like, no way, we're never going to stop. And they go back to their Christian community and they, they pray together. They're like, we got to pray. We got to seek the Lord. We got to see more things happen for Jesus. And here's where we pick up the story in Acts 4 and verse 31. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken 
and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now, you know your prayer has been answered when the room is shaken, all right? That's, that's what we're shooting for, all right? That's, that's the goal. So here's what happened. It says in verse 32, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. And there was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Now let's just pause right there. Is that a picture of unity? (laughs) Is that an incredible picture of mind-blowing unity? They're praying together. The place is shaken. They're all of one heart, one soul. They're all on the same page. They're all in love with Jesus. They're all moved by the gospel. They're all thankful from the center of their heart for the salvation they've received in Jesus. And it's like glue. This community is just being solidified. It's being connected. It's being united together in Christ. The apostles are there. And they're just giving testimony to the risen Lord Jesus. And they're just speaking the word of God. You can see the traits, can't you? As If you've been here in the study, you can see the traits of the healthy living church. You see Jesus at the center as they preach Jesus in the gospel. You see the excitement. Great grace was upon them all. The word grace is connected to the word, the word gratitude. This is just an empowered community that's just Jesus-centered, gospel-centered, filled with grace, filled with gratitude. They're praying. They're praying together earnestly. And then what do you see? You see this incredible picture, this fantastic, powerful kind of photograph of a united group of people. So united that they're actually, when they see a need, they actually just sell their stuff and they meet the need. That's amazing. That's that's powerful stuff. How important is unity in the church of Jesus Christ, and how important is unity to the gospel, to the preaching of the gospel? Think about this. The apostles are standing up, and they're proclaiming the word, and they're preaching the gospel, and they're saying, you know, we're eyewitnesses of the risen Lord. And here they are surrounded by this crew, like this loving, united, caring, giving group of people. Now, if you're an outsider and you're listening to this message, the apostles are preaching this message, and then you look at this group, you're going to see there's, there's a continuity between the message being preached and the group that that message is producing. But what if the apostles stand up and they preach the gospel and they tell about Jesus, the risen Lord, and the miracle of Easter and the whole thing, and the group around them is a group which is fighting, in conflict, 
no unity, no caring, no love, how does that message have continuity with the visible community? There's a disconnect. So in other words, here's what I'm saying. I'm saying that the unity of those people, of that group around the message of Jesus is the miracle that confirms the truth of the gospel. It confirms it. The church of Jesus should be the greatest confirmation of the truth of the gospel that anyone can lay eyes on. As a young Christian, I used to hear all the time, look at Jesus, don't look at Christians. I don't know if you've ever heard that phrase. <laughs> look, just look at Jesus, don't look at Christians. And that always rubbed me the wrong way because I was reading my Bible. I'm going, well, that's not what I saw in the book of Acts, you know. The apostles didn't get up and say, Jesus is risen. Ignore these bozos. <laughs> Ignore these losers because they just, they just don't look at them. Let's just look at Jesus. They never said that. There's always a connection between the message of the gospel and the community of the gospel. Unity. Powerful. I want to be in that room. I think a lot of people, you know, you read that passage, you go, I want to be there. I want to be in that room with those guys. So having seen the picture of unity, let me introduce you to a man who is the model of everything that we're shooting for as a church. His name is Barnabas. Here he is in Acts chapter 4, in verse 36. And thus, Joseph, who is also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. This is our first introduction in the book of Acts to a man named Barnabas. Now, Barnabas is the model of everything we're shooting for as a church. Barnabas. Barnabas, I call the hidden hero of the book of Acts. Barnabas, his name isn't as famous as Peter or Paul or James or John, but I call him the hidden hero of the book of Acts. In fact, I could make a case that he is the most significant figure in the early church. Outrageous, how can you say that? I, I can make a case that this guy was the key to it all. And I think that's why in the book of Acts, the lens goes like this from this amazing thing that's happening and there's unity and then people are, are given their stuff and then it comes, boom, it lands on Barnabas. Now we're gonna see Barnabas over and over again showing up in the next chapters of the book of Acts. Barnabas, he's a man whose life was characterized above all by one single trait. There's one single trait that characterized his life more than anything else, and that is that he knew what it meant to come alongside another person. It's the defining characteristic of his life. He knew what it meant to come alongside. 
And that's actually how he got his name. Did you notice his name actually wasn't Barnabas? His name is Joseph. Joe. I mean, that's, that's his real name. Joe, he's a Levite. He's from Cyprus. Okay, great. But the apostles, they said, this guy, we're going to give him a new name. We're changing his name. From now on, we're calling him Barnabas, which is Aramaic. But what it actually means is the son of encouragement. The son of encouragement. Now, in seminary, you know, we, we're taught and we teach students, don't make a big deal about Greek words. You know, people are bored. They don't want to hear you and your Greek words. But I'm going to give you one. Okay? This is a Greek word, and I want everyone to know this. It's the word Periclesis. Periclesis. They called him the son of Periclesis. Periclesis means to be called alongside. It means one who moves close to. It means someone who engages in the act of just coming alongside someone else. That's periclesis. To come alongside. And in our New Testament, because this is such a rich word, it actually is no one English word can do it justice. So there's many different ways this word is translated. It means to encourage. Right here, son of encouragement. But it also is translated to comfort. To comfort. Why? Because you can come alongside someone to comfort them. You can come alongside someone to encourage them. It also is translated to build up. You can come alongside someone to actually build them up. It is also translated to spur on. To spur on to forward movement. Because you can come alongside someone and you can, you can help them move forward, spur them on. It's a rich word. Periclesis. It means to come alongside, to comfort, encourage, to build up, to spur on. And that's the key. Now, this word defines the life of this man so much that that became his actual name, his nickname. This is the one quality that makes all the difference in the Christian community. Listen to this sentence. I've been thinking about this for the last week. A living, healthy church is a connected community. It's a connected community where people feel safe to build relationships and work together. That's what a a living, healthy church is. It's a connected community. People feel safe in relationships. And so they they can enter in. They can open up. They can work together. When you don't feel safe and you can't build relationships and you can't work together, that's a disconnected community. And a living, healthy church is a connected community. A dying church is a disconnected community. And periclesis is the key to getting connected. Let me give you an example. You guys have heard quite a bit about the high school team and their visit to Ilsan, the Ilsan community in South Korea. A residence of Holt International 
where they house the children that couldn't be put up for adoption because they had some kind of mental or physical handicap. And so they stay in this community. And it's, it's just an amazing program. And you've, you've heard us give illustrations about it. And the high school team went over there and they had the opportunity to spend time with these residents and to literally come alongside them. Well, one of the things that happened when the high school group came back was they were united. They, I mean, it's like everyone was talking about it. Man, they're so united now. They're just, it just brought everyone together. This is how it works. When you get around a community that's connected, when you get around a community of people that are practicing in front of you what it looks like to come alongside one another, it's powerful. And they came back and they reported the residents there. I mean, they all have different kinds of, of physical or mental challenges, and yet they come alongside each other. They help each other, and it all just moved our team that was over there. And then they got to practice for a week the art of coming alongside, just coming alongside, come alongside, to comfort, to encourage, to build, to spur on, just come alongside, come alongside. And you know, there's a weird thing that happens when you're in an environment of coming alongside. People begin to come together as well. It is a powerful experience. Barnabas was a man of action. He sold his stuff. He sold his stuff like everyone was doing. The Spirit was moving them to do that, and they were just giving their stuff to take care of needs. He was a man of action. In order to come alongside, you have to do something. Now, this is a practical sermon today. Very practical. Because in, this can't be just theoretical. In order to actually come alongside, you have to move. You have to take a step. You have to do something. I'm picturing the tugboat in the harbor. There's a freighter coming in, and it's out there, and the freighter's kind of like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know where I'm supposed to go. I'm just a little, I feel a little insecure here. And I'm picturing the tugboat, and the tugboat, it has to do something. It's got to come alongside. It's like, and maybe there's, there's more tugboats, and it's like, tugboats are coming out. And what are they doing? They're coming alongside. Their mission is to come alongside uh, to comfort, maybe that's stretching it, <laughs> to encourage, I don't know, to spur on, yeah, that works, to move forward, okay? So you have to do something, and that's exactly the way that Barnabas was. He was the guy who took action. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you now four little snapshots from the life of Barnabas, and I'm going to show you what we're shooting for. This, these four things are four things that Barnabas actually did. And each one is a guide for us. It's like a challenge for us to action, to do something, like do these things. If we do these things, we're going to build a connected community, which is proof of the risen Lord Jesus. What are those four things? Well, the first thing is this, be generous. Point number one from the life of Barnabas, this son of Periclesis, be generous. So we read the story. He, you know, people were 
people were selling their stuff and they're coming, they, there was a lot of needs. And, you know, this isn't a formula that, that says, you know, the church for the rest of forever, everyone who became a Christian had to sell all their stuff. This is what the Spirit was doing. But what they were doing, what the Spirit was doing was saying, look at the needs around you and how will you respond? And the answer is, if we could put it in a word, is generosity. Be generous. He took action to meet the needs of those around him. This is the glue of Christian community. In 1977, which might sound like a long time ago to a lot of you, when I was first married and I was a teacher and I had the summer off from teaching in this Bible college that I taught in, and I wanted to go somewhere with my wife, and there was a guy in our church, this man and wife, Bob and Linda Limley, I'll never forget them. And they just walked up one day and they said, you know what, you, you have the summer off, don't you? We have a brand new Volkswagen camper van, 1977, vintage. It was brand new. Here's the keys. Take our Volkswagen camper van for the next two months, do anything you want, just go. We're like, Awesome. That is why today we're in Oregon. That's why we're here. You know, I could say that's why Riverwest Church is here, but I don't want to stretch, you know, <laughs> the story. But I mean, seriously, that's why we're here. Because we got, we just started traveling around. We ended up in Oregon. We ended up in Southern Oregon. We started Bible studies. We started ministries in Southern Oregon for the two months that we were there. And that blossomed into a ministry in Oregon. And it was all because of the generosity. Someone took action. And I'm only saying that because that's the way Bob and Linda were. So you can imagine if they did that with us. Like they were doing that with everybody. They were just like, what do you need? How can we help you? Here's a gift. Here's, here's what we want to do for you. If you have a community of people who are generous, they see a need and they meet it, it's like glue. It's like this is a safe place. This is a beautiful place. And it's amazing. Thank you for your generosity, River West Church. Thank you for giving. Now, I was thinking this week about our community group uh, homes, the host homes, you know, because, I mean, we, we've had community groups in our homes through the years, and, uh, and I know it takes effort. You know, you got to get the house ready. <laughs> Maybe you make a treat. You know, people come. They stay. Some people stay a long, long time. You know, <laughs> like, okay, good night. I'm getting tired here. Uh, <laughs> you know, but somebody said, here's our home. We have a home. Could you use that? Let's open our door. That's what we could do. It builds community, you see. Point number one from this life is generosity. Here's point number two. Reach out and pull people into Christian community. Reach out to those around you. Reach out to the person who's on the fringe. Pull them in. Here's what he did. Go to Acts chapter 9. And after the conversion of the Apostle Paul, Acts 9 and in verse 26. Now, this is after Paul, who had been persecuting the church, he meets Jesus, he comes to faith, and an amazing conversion. He had been putting Christians to death. And in 9.26, it says, when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples, and they were all afraid of him. Well, I guess so. 
They did not believe that he was a disciple. They're like, no way. He's faking. He's going to kill us all. Okay, there's no way we're going to bring this guy in. Verse 27, but Barnabas, that son of Pericles, that son of encouragement, took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. It was Barnabas. It was Barnabas who made the connection, who drew Paul in to the fellowship, into the community. He was an outsider. He was a fringer. He was a nobody. He was a troublemaker. And Barnabas had heard the story, had listened to him, and pulled him in to the community of faith. How important is the Apostle Paul in the history of Christianity? He's right up there, isn't he? It was Barnabas who brought him in. How important is Barnabas? See, you think about it. He's the hidden hero. He's the guy behind the scenes. It's Barnabas. That's incredible to me. I have a friend who was vice president of a very large corporation in Southern California. And um, he was kind of forced out. (laughs) So uh, I think 63 years old, forced out. One of those things where they sold the company and they reshuffled the deck and and the guy, he's an amazing guy. And I was at his house. And he's like, yeah, I just, I feel like I'm just not doing very much anymore. And I'm like, well, what do you do? He says, well, I go to my church and I, and I, I find the people who are hurting. And it's like, I just went, I, I just took a guy to a movie yesterday who's really troubled. He's in our church and he just tro- has a lot of troubles. And I just said, I just took him on. He has no friends. I just took him to a movie and just hung out with him. But what else do you do? He says, well, I I hang out with the old people. We have these guys in our church who are like 90 years old, and they don't have any friends, and I just go hang out with them. (laughs) I'm like, I mean, I'm seriously looking at this guy, and I'm going, you are my hero. You are my hero. You know what I said to him? I said, you're Barnabas. You, You are Barnabas, literally. This is amazing. You're the hidden hero of the church. I said, you know what I would give in my church to have about 50 people like you? Just, just going and, and pulling people in and, and connecting. Just connecting. Because a, a healthy church is a connected community. No one's left behind. Isn't that amazing? I love that. There's a story that I've heard about three times in the last few months about a River West staff member who met someone new to the church and after about five minutes figured out that this person had some specific needs and, and literally just took that person and brought them to one of our elders who, who they thought this elder can connect and maybe help in this situation. Just led them, just brought them over and made an introduction and said, elder, here's this person. They're new to the church, sort of explained the situation. And it's like, tag team, you take it from here. <laughs> I've heard that story three times. And it's a great story. It's a beautiful story. You know why? Because it's Barnabas. Because it's coming alongside. It's a little tugboat, you know. Think about it. Here we are on Sunday morning. People come in the door. You're a bunch of tugboats. You go over, you go, that person, that looks, that person looks new. Surrounded the tugboat. You come in here, sit here, sit by me. Right? My friend, 
He's, he's a tugboat, man. He's just out there. Just, he just sees and he's just, just sort of guiding people into a place where they can be in Christian community. Sometimes when I go to other churches, I have the weirdest experience. So, you know, so I'm, I'm a pastor. I get up in front. Everyone sees me. When I walk down the hallway, you know, I'm, I'm passing people and people are like, hi. Hey, oh, hi, pastor. How you doing? You know, and, you know, it's like we're giving the nod, you know. It's like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Nice. Oh, good. I see you. It's awesome. You know, a little fist bump, you know, good. So, I mean, it's like the whole, it's like running the gauntlet, you know. Then I go, like last week, I, I preached in another church. Up in the Seattle area. Nobody knew me. I walked in. It's the weirdest thing. Because I'm like, hey, everybody, I'm here. And they're like, they just walked by me. What just happened? (laughs) I'm Pastor Guy. You're supposed to nod at me. You're supposed to do something, you know? And I realized, oh, this is what it's like just just to be someone at church. Just to walk in. This is what it feels like. It didn't feel very good. You know, it's like the, where's the tugboat? Where's, where's someone going to like, just bring me in? You know, that's what we need. That's Barnabas. I could keep going on that, but I got two more. Here's the third thing. The third thing is to get excited about the spiritual growth and the ministries of those around you to encourage them. Go to chapter 11. Here's the next time we see Barnabas in chapter 11 in verse 22. Now the gospel came to the city of Antioch. How important is the city of Antioch? Um, It's super important. It became the main center of the Christian church in the first century. Antioch. Jerusalem, it's the whole momentum of Christianity went to the city of Antioch. Okay, it's super, super important. Here's what happened. In Acts 11.22, the report of this, that means that the gospel came to Antioch. It came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came, he saw the grace of God, and he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. How important is Antioch? First called Christians there. Became the missionary sending hub of the church. In a sense, the capital of the Christian movement for a hundred years. How important, all important. Who is there? Barnabas that son of encouragement, that son of paraclesis, the guy that knew how to come alongside. The the apostles said, what should we do? The gospel came up there. It's amazing. What should we do? Oh, got it. Let's send Barnabas. What else? Send him. Because that's what we're shooting for. This guy, his life, what he does, the one trait, paraclesis, to comfort, to encourage, to build up, to spur on. That's what's needed send him. And he went there. And when he saw the grace of God, he was so excited and he encouraged them. Same word. He encouraged them. He appealed to them. He spurred them forward. He, he, he moved them. He said, okay, come on, guys. I see what's going on. I just want to encourage you to keep going. Tugboat. He went and he got Saul slash Paul 
And now he's moving him from just being a member of the congregation to being a teacher. See, Barnabas sees the gifts of others. He's excited about the gifts of others. I know some of the Christians, they're like worried about their, well, what is my gift? Nobody recognized me, you know? What about me? What about my gift? Barnabas is like, forget that. He's like, I'm going to find your gift, your gift, your gift, your gift, and I'm just going to encourage you. I'm just going to lift you up. I'm going to give you an opportunity to be in the spotlight. That's exactly what he did. Now, when you have that, the glue, it's just like the Christian community just start, this is a safe place. This is a connected place. It's an awesome place to be. People are just being lifted up. We're lifting each other up. You come alongside someone, you see, this person seems gifted. This person, they have something going on in their life. And you just bring your tugboat over and you go, here, can I just keep you, I just want to encourage you to keep going in that direction. That's what Barnabas did. The final snapshot that I'm going to give you, and we could talk a long time about each one of these, is to stand with those who are struggling. Stand with those who are struggling. Here's another scene from the life of Barnabas. It's in Acts chapter 15. So Barnabas went off with Paul and they went on a missionary journey. That was amazing. And who got the top billing? Paul. (laughs) Who is the hidden hero behind the scenes? Barnabas. They come back from the journey. They had taken a young man named John Mark with them on that journey, and and John Mark freaked out and left. (laughs) The going got a little tough for him, and he's like, I'm out. And he went home. And so now when they're going to start the second missionary journey, Paul doesn't want to take John Mark with him. He's like, that guy's a loser. That guy, I can't count on that guy. Forget it. Acts 15, and in verse 38... Well, verse 37, Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. There arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with them and sailed away to Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of God. Now, this is really fascinating because you go, well, this, he's a unity guy, but there's, there's a separation here, you know. Barnabas says, no way, I'm holding my ground. I will not abandon John Mark. I, I'm going to stand with the guy who's hurting. I'm going to give a second chance. I'm going to be patient with this guy. And, and it was so much so that Paul said, okay, well, then forget it. I'm going to go. And he, and he left, and, and he said, it's fine. I'm staying with this guy. Because he's, he's the, the paraclete. He's the son of Periclesis. He's, the, he's, he's coming alongside John Mark. It's amazing. Who is John Mark? John Mark is the author of the Gospel of Mark. Did you know that? The Gospel of Mark in your New Testament was penned by John Mark. How important is the Gospel of Mark? The Gospel of Mark is considered the earliest gospel and the model for Matthew and Luke, of which when Matthew and Luke wrote their gospels, they were looking at the Gospel of Mark and and building it out sort of with the sayings of Jesus. How important is the Gospel of Mark? All important. Who is behind, standing behind, standing with Mark? Barnabas. 
So you see why I'm saying, could it be that Barnabas was the key to the whole thing? Could it be? It's amazing. But Barnabas doesn't care if he has his name in lights. He doesn't care if he's a guy on the stage. He doesn't care if he gets the credit. All he cares about is to come alongside, come alongside, come alongside. And that activity of coming alongside becomes the magnet that connects Christian community and allows the church to be the church. It allows a place for people to feel safe, to feel welcome, to feel like they have something to offer, to contribute. It allows us to work together. Take away that coming alongside activity and what you have is the opposite. You have dispersion. It just, it just goes out and it becomes nothing. Here's the challenge. It's a practical sermon. I'm going to get practical. All right? I'm going to ask you to do something. I want to ask you to be the hidden hero of River West Church. I want to ask you to be the Barnabas. I want to ask you to not just get the idea, but engage in the practice, the practice of Christian unity. And the practice of Christian unity is the practice of coming alongside. Who do you come alongside? Who will you come alongside this week? Do you have your radar up? Are you looking for those who need comfort? Those that you can encourage, strengthen? Those that could be built up in some way where you could see what they have to offer and give and you could help them and and spur them on in, in ministry or in using their gift, something like that? Is there someone that you can stand with who's struggling, going through a hard time? Okay, who is that person? And if you, if you are going, I don't know. I literally, there's, there's no one in any of those categories that I can think of right now. Then we got work to do. <laughs> we got work to do. Because the unity of River West Church can only be as strong as every individual in the church begins the practice of coming alongside. That's where the rubber meets the road. And it's powerful. And it's essential. And, and we each can take responsibility for this. So Lord, bless this time. We're so thankful. Help us, Lord, to learn and to grow. Help us, Lord, to be like Barnabas, Lord. We pray that you'll help us to grow in the practice of coming alongside. And Lord, bless now as we come to the table of thanksgiving. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.